you have tuned into Surviving Fundamentalism, a podcast with Richie X, where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, you most likely mm, probably will have a problem with this shit here. But it's okay. It's okay. Grab you a little wine for the stomach's sake. Tap in. Tune in. Let's have a good time. Can I hinder me? Right on, King Jesus. No man can I hinder me. Right on, King Jesus. No man can I hinder me. Right on, King Jesus. Right on. No man can I hinder me. No man can I hinder me. One of these mornings and it won't be long. No man can hinder me. You look for me and I'll be gone. No man can hinder me. Right on, King Jesus. No man can hinder me. Right on, King Jesus. Right on. No man can hinder me. In that great getting up morning. Fare ye well, fare ye well, in that great getting up morning. Fare ye well, fare ye well. All right, that's all. I done gave y'all a minute and something of, of singing. It ain't the mic this time. It was intentional. Come on, somebody. Come on, say intention. Put your hands together and give God some praise. Amen. <laughs> um, it's a, a song that sort of reflects... Um, I think uh, the struggle of the enslaved Africans and the hope that they carried, right, that um, they would ride on because if Jesus couldn't be hindered, they wouldn't be hindered either. And truly, honestly, we did ride on through it and um, continue to ride on because no man can know me. You know, there are forces, there are things beyond the known, beyond the known that continue to work within us. And so here we are, darling. Here we are. We're here. We're here. We're here. Um, Thank you all for listening. Um, Truly, truly appreciate it. Someone else reached out to me. uh, A little boo thing from back in the day or whatever. (laughs) Um... I'm not going to say your name, uh, but he's a very fancy, handsome uh, young person and, um, you know, said that the show is, 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 is he's enjoying the show. Um, and I'm just glad that the, the show is reaching people that it's supposed to reach. Um, I could, it could, I could make it perfect in my eyes and, there would still be people who wouldn't listen, who it wouldn't attract, who people who don't need it, right? There are people who are not in the process of deconstructing or not not in the space where they want to hear the shit. <laughs> and I absolutely understand that. And if somebody might say, you sing too much, and I understand that too. And somebody might say, you're too churchy for me. And and it triggers me. Um, I think I try to bridge um, 
like I said, I've said time and time again, the fullness of who I am um, and bring it all together because I am really churchy. And, um, but I'm also not, I'm also heathen. I'm also a cusser and a fighter and, um, a shit talker. And so, you know, it's, there's so many aspects to who I am, but I think in relation to the topic of spirituality and God and, and religion and overcoming the toxicity of that world, I find myself being, uh, a little bit more relaxed into the fullness of myself in the way that I was as I navigated that religious space. And so, but I do thank you all for listening. Um, and this is, this is a journal. This is my journal. This is a work of love. Really. It's a, it's a love letter to my younger self. It's a love letter to some young queer person that is stuck in a liberal, in, in not a liberal, I'm sorry, stuck in a conservative uh, hellhole of a fundamentalist evangelical church, and they, they think that there is no way out, and they don't even know where to go and where to look and what books to read and, and, and who to talk to, and, and no one around them um, is available for conversation, but they're not really ready to throw away what is theirs, which is their faith. They're not really willing to throw it away, but it's burned them and it hurt them so much. And, 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 and so my thing is, is I hope that I can help you all one, know that you're not alone Two. Um, begin the process of thinking. And three, redefining what these things you value really are and being sure to maintain the strength and the love and the peace and all of the good qualities about the things, about those things. And, 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 and so that they can remain a part of your life and you can maintain the vision that you have for yourself. It cannot always be night. Come on, somebody. Huh? Come on. So, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Surviving Fundamentalism. I am the right Reverend Richie X, and I am here as often as I can be to have a conversation with you about how if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely know or maybe, nope, you will have a problem with this shit here. Uh, but we we still love you, and we encourage you to, to continue to ask questions, to continue to do research, to, to, to look everywhere for answers, to speak aloud when no one's looking, to write, to journal, to see a therapist. Not a Christian therapist, uh, <laughs> um, but a licensed mental health professional um, who is going to acknowledge you as you are. Um, yeah, so welcome. So we're going to begin this week with our with our uh, clip of the week. Yes, ooh, yes. 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. Here it is. a lot of time in church for me growing up we would have sunday school every morning at 9 a.m a service after that at noon until like 2 30 and occasionally we would have an evening service and that would go from 4 to like 5 30 or 6 this was just on sunday and then bible class on tuesday friday choir rehearsal and on some saturdays we would pray and clean the church i'm wondering now if this was just escapism were we all just seeking distractions from our unpleasant realities were we running away from the unpleasant realities of being black in america because we ran to a place that told us to find joy in our suffering and that financial and other forms of blessings would fall from heaven and that everything happening to us was intentional and on purpose what are your thoughts let me know in the comments below and like and follow for more content i you know it's been a long time since i lived in that space and went to church four times a week i used to go to church two services on sunday uh tuesday and thursday sometimes three services on sunday wednesday um, depends. Sometimes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, <laughs> and Sunday. That's not to mention Saturday for choir rehearsal and cleaning the church. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I truly do believe that it, it's escapism. And why not? You know, it's community. It, it is, it's community and it is escapism. But it wasn't healthy. It wasn't like a healthy form of, 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 of going somewhere to get, um, to experience community in a way that truly enriches and enhances you. Um, oftentimes, like I talked about last week, there's a lot of churches churching, but there are not enough churches that are doing the work to heal and help the people. There are not enough churches that are doing the work to save the people. They are more intentional about um, maintaining a spiritual and mental control over the congregants than they are about actually doing something to save the people, to heal the people, to help the people to be a force, a beacon of light in the community and in the world. Um, hands on, right? And so, so I do think these because these institutions aren't truly benefiting us, they are serving as escapism for us. They're serving as a place for us to bury ourselves into, um, to carry our deepest, darkest uh, desires and state of being. Um, and we go into these spaces hoping that our experiences in these spaces will transform us. And what we find often is that we just find different ways to exist within our performativeness rather than actually changing. Because change requires too much realness and too much work and too much of facing yourself to actually change. And the institution does not have professional help you have pastors that have 10th grade educations that are calling themselves counselors with honorary doctorate degrees. They don't have any authority or any ability to truly counsel people and walk people through and give people tools to battle in their everyday lives. And so what's happening is many people are falling by the wayside 
are dying inside while they're in church performing black churchisms. Speaking churchinese. A lot of the little funny colloquialisms that I use on this show, you know, they're they're in the church performing those things um, and watching the world around them die. They're in Congress pretending performing a version of Christianity that they want to be perceived as while watching and participating in the destruction of the world. These people don't have a God. They don't really believe in God. Faith without works is dead. The God they serve is dead. They aren't just backslidden, they're foul, creepy, hirelings. You'll know them by their works. You'll know them by their fruit. What fruit do these people have? Not cussing, that ain't fruit. They don't drink, that ain't fruit. They wear them long skirts and chapel caps on their that ain't fruit. Fruit is who you be when ain't nobody watching. These people don't got no integrity. They don't know nothing about bearing fruit because they ain't done no work on themselves. But they can say, this morning when I rose, yeah. No. This morning when you rose, you rose the same person you was when you went to sleep last night. And the same person you've been for the last 30 years. You're mean. You're mean-spirited. You're nasty. And your heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. And, 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 and perhaps your God would rather you be rugged, raw, and nasty than for you to be pretending to be something you're not. Tell your God how you don't like people. Tell your God how you, how you hate the children at the church. How you mistreat people's kids. Tell your God how you can't stand the saints, head usher. How you roll your eyes in church and pretend that you praise in the Lord. Tell your God when you're finished speaking in tongues. Tell your God who you really are. And stop asking for repentance because you don't want to change. And that's one keeping it real um so i do think it's a form of escapism and um often used as such and i think all throughout our enslaved experience it's been that it's been a form of that it has been it's been overarching and healing it has been life-changing at some points for us to create community in in a space where we could sing and worship and 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 literally be lifted up spiritually through an experience that is just incomparable to many other experiences we got through it though you know, it makes me think of that, that my soul 
looks back and wonder, how did I make it over? I think about that like we, it was about that. It was about getting over. But the thing about it is we got over, we got through. But we came through with tons and tons and tons of generational baggage. And what do we know to do? Come together, eat, sing, dance, laugh, everything but tell the truth. Everything but begin the work of healing. Everything but expose the ugly because we weren't wanting to focus on that. And the habit is remaining the same. And that's, again, roots that the church should be breaking. The church should be creating a healthy environment for mental health to thrive, for people to thrive and not just be coming there to survive. Right? And so... Yeah, I appreciate that 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 uh uh that soundbite from a TikTok there. Uh, so I know we started talking a little bit about Paul last week. You know, so many so many Christians are really disciples of Paul. Um, they're not disciples of Jesus, and it shows. Um, very much so, and so. You know, and, 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 and a lot of this, these are my notes that come from a book I have by Bishop John Shelby Spong called Rescuing the Bible from Fundamentalism. And um, where we, we really just have a conversation where we're talking about Paul, right? Paul believed if an authority was placed in power, then God put them there. And we should submit and have good conduct, be obedient, stay in line. But then I think about what about abolitionists? What about the labor movement? What about King and, and Malcolm X and, 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 and James Farmer and Harriet Tubman and, and people who fought against that and knew better than most of them were black people, amen? Um, but you know, we, 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 I I think about those things, but Paul is somebody who believed that we should submit and that if people were in power, then God, then God put them there. Um, Paul attributed the Torah to Moses in Roman 9, 15, 10, 5, 10, 19, first Corinthians 9 and 9, second Corinthians 3 and 15. We historically know that Moses did not write, that a man named Moses did not write the Torah, but Paul attributed the Torah to Moses, which is very interesting. Uh, He thought Adam was a literal person, as many people do, right? Uh, He used Abraham the same way to try to prove inclusivity. You know, we have we have Paul sort of manipulating Old Testament scriptures in a way that 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 um, to serve his purpose as as what many of them, many of the writers of the New Testament were doing. Right. Um, And, you know, Paul didn't write the word of God. He wrote the words of Paul, a particular and limited 
frail, insecure being. Baby, let's get into it. Let's get into the insecurities of Paul, okay? Uh, Paul had a profound sense of guilt. It is clear. We talked about that a little bit last week, too. It's very clear. He was small. He had an inferiority complex. He felt unfulfilled in his studies of the law. He sought his entire life to be blameless under the law, yet he was still unsatisfied. He says that Christ freed him from shame and guilt of the law in Romans 7, 14 and 15 and Romans 7 and 18. But he still felt like he was never going to be enough. I definitely can identify with that form of brokenness in Paul. Um, Paul said in Romans 6 that we're dead, united with Christ in a death like his. He hated his flesh, called it the body of sin. The old self uh, was crucified, slaves to sin. Paul's obsession with the law and keepers of the law um, and his ability to keep it uh, turns towards sin, death, resurrection. Uh, You know, Paul was very, very, very interesting. He believed that sin literally controlled you and your body makes you do what it wants you to do. Like, he really has some really gnarly concepts. Um, But I think it appeals to so many people. Um, Specifically to me, because I came into... Um, in existence very early as somebody who is neurodivergent, um, black, growing up in the crack epidemic, and queer, I came into a space where I knew that nothing about me was right and everything about me was wrong. It was very clear to me. And so I felt like the world had been paralleled opposite of me and, 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 and everything was wrong with me and, and, and the way that things aligned didn't necessarily, you know, point out the opposite of that, right? So I, I really experienced that a lot. So when I was in um, uh, fundamentalism, I found myself gravitating to this text. And I saw, I know many, many young black people, young black boys, young black boys who have been grown up in the same white supremacist uh, capitalist school system and structure that demonized us and really taught us early on and made us early on seem like criminals, seem like um, non-compliant criminals, who were bent on doing evil. The narrative, the, the media, everything around us has said that to us about us. Young black women slut shamed and shamed for literally existing. Everything from our parents to the white supremacist capitalist male patriarchy, the media, everything around us was literally working against us. 
And a doctrine like this comes along where we can develop this type of faith walk where we are constantly on a hamster wheel to prove to this God that we can do it. And now we're on Paul's hamster wheel, but it's really ours. It's really ours because we are trying to prove to everything around us, including ourselves, that we're enough. That we're enough for God. That we're a good enough Christian. That we're not a slut. That we're not a fag. That we're not any of those things. We are trying to prove that, that we can be good. And whenever we fail, we make ourselves feel like we are not good. We're not a good Christian. This God could never love us. Our faith must not be strong enough. We failed again. Woe is me. Woe is me. And we're taught literally through the words of Paul about abusing grace. When in reality, nobody's fucking abusing grace. We're existing. We're trying to live. We have natural attractions like everything else on this planet. And, and sometimes we're attracted to, to the same gender. And that's nothing that we planned. And that, uh, forgive me for not wanting to pretend that I don't have those attractions. And now I feel dirty. Young ladies, you, you, you feel dirty. I knew, a, I knew a girl that said she had sex for the first time and she went home and scrubbed herself raw. The shame, the guilt for being, for being natural. I went to college and I, I, in college, I began to question my faith and I began to believe that I was an atheist or at least an agnostic atheist. And do you know that I shamed and beat myself up for a while, for years because of, of, of me having a very natural experience. And I blamed myself for becoming an intellectual who asks questions. And if there's anybody out there that's, that feels a little shame, a little blamey for asking questions, I want you to listen to me good. Fuck it. It's natural. The world is yours, baby. The world is yours. You ask those questions. You seek those answers. You read that book. You ask the text questions. You listen to podcasts. You do whatever you got to do to get answers while you're on this planet. And don't feel no shame about it. Because who going to check you? Nobody, baby. Get into it. But, but, you know, Paul talks about uh, this member, this member that he could not control. Um, he talked about, and I think about what member of his body could he not control? He says, sin reigns in my members. With my mind, I will, wa I will one thing. With my body, I do another. The only member... Or organs that cannot be controlled by our will is the genitalia. Whether arousal or impotency. Paul didn't understand his own actions. Romans 7, 14. 
and 15, no thing, no good thing dwells in him or in his flesh. Romans 7, 14 through 23. Very, very interesting existence. What the hell was Paul going through? He said he didn't want a wife. He said he wasn't married. He, he didn't get married because he would have had to take care of his wife. Paul was guilt-ridden and filled with self-hatred. Been there, got the t-shirt. Romans 7, 25. With my flesh, I serve the law of sin. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He pummels his body and subdue it, lest after preaching to others, he'll be disqualified. Pummel? He tried to beat his flesh into submission, hating the body for very natural urges. Paul urged against desires of the body. Wretched man, he called himself a body of death, a tortured man, a passion for perfection. His pursuit of holiness through the law was necessary to control a power and a reality that resided in his body and his flesh over which his mind had no control. Paul needed desperately to be righteous. Paul had some sexual impurity desire that threatened his ability to possess his vessel in a sanctified and honor, honorable way. The law was his security system, and Christianity undermined that. He hated it at first, hated it so bad that he went around killing people. He hated seeing uh, people, Jewish people who were free, who didn't, who, who weren't living by all them damn laws, who, who had freedom but still looked to have joy. Paul had a negative mind about women. He never took a wife and stated that the reason was because the apocalypse was coming. Paul hated his body. His body forced him to do things he didn't want to do. His tremendous guilt and shame led to self-loathing. As a student of the law, he knew well that he stood condemned by the law. His body, a body in which death reigned, a walking death sentence. He felt it was beyond redemption. His body was warring with his mind and will. Jesus loved this Paul. Paul found hope and freedom in the law, from the law in Jesus. Paul needed a savior such as Jesus as he loved the law so much everything had to go through that lens for him. Thus, Jesus becomes slain, the lamb slain, atonement theology, and everything has to be linked back to Judaism because Paul was so convinced about Judaism. And we see how these different things take form for all of us, depending on our different situations and scenarios. They take form. We do, we do what we do, right? And um, yeah. So what? I, one of the things I'm thinking about, you know, with the atonement theology, uh, 
and I think about the messiness that was the world, you know, because like in Genesis, we hear like uh, in the beginning, you know, the world was without form and void, right? And I think about that. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know, like, you know, I think about it in the same way of like evolution, you know, like boom, bang, you know, hey, um, you know, the thing became a thing, became a thing, became a thing, became many things, and boom, here we are, right? And I think about that, right? But then in that case, there was never a human perfection. Because the world was never perfect. The world was a slew-footed, sloppy, trashy-ass mess. And the messiness that we are as humans evolved out of all of that hot ghetto mess. And there was never perfection to fall away from. Where was the perfection? That it literally can't be found. There, there, there was never perfection. Never. It's always been a mess. Our history, our, our archaeology proves it. It's always been a raggedy mess. Is Yeshua the savior of a fallen creation? If there was never perfection to fall from? Life is still evolving. Christianity will not be saved by the liberal approach to the Bible. Neither fundamentalism or selective liberalism is the answer. The Western mind has trouble embracing truth found in myth, legend, intuition, or poetry. Did it really happen? Did all that shit really happen? If you answer yes, then that compromises honesty, courage, and postpones the inevitable. If you answer no, it removes the realm of spirit, mystery, and meaning. The hedging yes is the selective liberalist trope. Rather ask, what does this mean? And why was this imagery chosen to convey this insight? The next time you're reading a scripture, ask yourself that. What does this mean? Why is this being used to convey this? What does this imagery mean? I know we weren't, I mean, um, as, a, as, a, as a student of the English language, my degree is in English, um, one of them is in English, and so it, 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 it we had to often examine literature and think, why was this used? What was the imagery here? What was the reason for using this imagery? What was that? And when you read the text, the, the, the Judeo-Christian text, you should think about those same things. What was the purpose? What was the intention? Not allowing uh, 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 this thing to be read to you or spoken to you or taught to you from this fundamentalist lens. Like, it is what it is. It, what, it is what it reads. It ain't. It ain't what it reads. What other piece of literature from that time period is what it reads? It ain't what it reads, and it never has been. People read all of their intentions and desires and foolishness into the letter, into the literature. And then 
You got pastors that are reading scripture and then go on a rant for three hours about nothing. Giving you all the things that they sit and think about when they're bored. And, you know, so when you are questioning, when you are reading, I want you to question the text. I want you to know, I want you to ask yourself, what does this mean? And why was this imagery chosen to convey this insight? Also, you should know that the Apostle Paul only wrote seven of those books that are attributed to him. And also, you should know that, the, that, that Paul was not looking to be writing the word of God. And that this text, as it is known, has been combined and matriculated around the earth for dozens of intents and purposes. Don't be hoodwinked and don't be bamboozled. Find yourself. Find the answers in finding yourself. It begins with the truth. The truth of who you are and how you exist in this world. The truth of your truth, your secrets, your passions, your findings. Speak them. Be real, be honest, be clear, write them. Show up in the world as you are. Get the help you need. Research, find the resources you need. If you need a therapist, you can Google free or cheap therapy in my state. You can also, um, programs like Better Health. Um, it's, a lot of them have scholarship programs. Discounts. You can call around to local therapists. You can call around the Catholic ther Catholic charities who have cheaper free therapy. Call around to different therapists asking if they will see you for a sliding scale. I saw my therapist for several years for, for $35 to $40 a session. It was very, very beneficial. And all I did was email different therapists from Psychology Today and ask them if they would see me on a sliding scale. Don't be ashamed. Many people are broke. They use that as a tax write-off for their businesses as a way of helping you. So don't be ashamed. There are many resources out here to continue to help you, continue to help us all. Um, thank you so much for listening. I think I've told you all, all of my stories. I don't have any, uh, any more left. If I come up with something, I hope to share it. Um, but stay, be at peace and not in pieces. Thank you. I love you for listening. Once again, this has been the right Reverend, the right Reverend Richie X, and this is Surviving Fundamentalism, the podcast where if you, if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely will have a problem with this shit. Stay tuned. Tell a friend. Write me. Go to Surviving Fundamentalism. Um, on Instagram, write me or, or Richie added again on Instagram and write me a question. Ask me something. Text me if you know me. And I'll do my best to get back to you. Once again, thank you for listening. I'll see you next time.
so long. Farewell to you, my friend. Thank you so much for listening to Surviving Fundamentalism with Richie X. This is the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely gonna have a problem with this shit. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, things you want me to talk about, definitely hit me up on Instagram at Instagram.com slash Surviving Fundamentalism or Instagram.com slash Richie at it again. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to tell a friend, tell your mama, tell your aunties, uh, tell some people that's just questioning, you know, get the people involved, run it up, run the numbers up, okay? And I will be back next week.